All right, church. Well, we are in our series on the Holy Spirit, and today's passage is going to be out of Galatians chapter 5. So if you would join me by standing, if you're able, as we read from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. Paul writes, saying, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, I pray this morning that our hearts would be tender and ready to receive what you have to say to us. Help us to walk in step with the Spirit, and may you bear your fruit in our lives. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, we are in this series looking at the Holy Spirit. And today is the day of Pentecost in the church calendar and in the book of Acts. This is when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and came to the apostles, came to the disciples, equipping and empowering them to start the church, to proclaim the gospel and declare Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. So Pentecost is an incredibly important day in the life of the church because it's when the church was born. And it marks a new beginning to where the life of the person who believes in the Lord and has faith in the Lord, faith in Yahweh, is now different from now on. Because we have the Holy Spirit equipping and empowering us. For a few weeks, uh, we've been looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. First week, we looked at the idea that we have the Holy Spirit, that He dwells within us. And I gave you the phrase, my new operating system, my new OS is the HS, the Holy Spirit. We, were in, we are indwelt with Him. And then two weeks ago, we looked at how we are filled, that we are not just uh, indwelt with the Spirit, but that also we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And I had that phrase, I can't, but you can. Being filled with the Spirit is a matter of surrender and trusting the Lord to give us the strength. We're going from independence to dependence. So we have indwelling, we have filling. And then last week we looked at Proverbs. Pastor Brandon took a break from our series. And and this week we're looking at growing. Growing. We're going to see how the Spirit grows us. And specifically, we'll see that it's fruit. Now, For us, in the Christian world, we often grow older 
but oftentimes we also don't grow up. We grow older, but we don't grow up. So how do we grow? What does it look like even when we grow? Now, if you're here today and you aren't a Christian, I welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope the things that I talk about today give you a different picture of what the Christian life is all about. Because it's not about a list of rules. It's about yielding to the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. We deserve to die, deserved eternal separation from God because of what we have done. The Bible uh, describes our rebellion against God as sin. But God loves us, and so he sent Christ to die for us on the cross. Jesus is paying the price for what you and I owe. He says, are you going to believe that my death was enough and that my death covers you, or are you not going to receive that, not going to believe, and continue trying to earn God's favor on your own? That choice is in front of everybody, and the Christian life is all about that. And once the Christian or the person who becomes a Christian says, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us, but then what does the rest of the Christian life look like? That's kind of what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. So today, again, growing. One author said that we know we should see growth, and so we try to manufacture it in the Christian life. We're like, oh, I know the Christian life is supposed to look a particular way, so I'm going to manufacture it. And it comes out in two particular ways. One is spiritual inauthenticity. Spiritual inauthenticity. What I mean by that is where there's no real change that happens inside, but you know that you ought to, or you think you ought to, appear a certain way. So you maybe use particular language. I mean, have you ever been in a prayer meeting or another Christian context and somebody starts using all this language that sounds really fancy and spiritual, but you're kind of like, I don't know what that means. But then after a while, you start using it too. And you're like, I don't even know what that means. Lord, hallowed be your name. Like, yeah, what, what, what does that mean? Like, we start using this language, but it doesn't necessarily come from our heart. You also hear people kind of giving the spiritual yummies when people say things. What I mean by that is, you know, somebody's praying and another person's like, mmm, yes, Lord, mmm, those are spiritual yummies. I'm not saying they're not legit. I do them too. But sometimes we kind of get, oh, that's what spiritual people do. So that's what I'm going to do too. I'm going to give a few spiritual yummies. That's all spiritual inauthenticity when it's not coming from the heart. The second thing is we start to measure our growth in superficial ways. We measure our growth in superficial ways. And I'm going to spend a lot of time talking mainly about that this morning. Because I'm going to use, I want to ask you this question. What comes to your mind if I were to ask you, how are you doing spiritually? If you were to sit across from my desk and I said, hey, how are you doing spiritually? What is your answer? Now, I'm about to say something, and many of you have sat across from my desk, and I have asked you that question. I want you to know I don't have you in mind particularly. Almost everybody does this when I ask them this question, so it's okay. Even I do this a lot when I'm asked this question. When I think about how I am doing spiritually, and I'm willing to bet many of you in this room, when we think about how we are doing spiritually, the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, did I read my Bible today? Have I been praying? Have I been doing those Christian things I ought to do? What have I done lately? And that's how I measure how I'm doing spiritually. But that's not really telling us if I'm doing spiritually well or not. It kind of is. It's not that those are unimportant, but those aren't what make my spiritual life have meaning or purpose or kind of quality 
to it. They're really more like a check engine light. If I haven't been spending time in my Bible or, or praying or going to church or being around other believers, it's like a check engine light. If I were to say, hey, what's wrong with your car? Or how is your car doing? And you said to me, well, my check engine light is on. You've told me something about your car, but you really haven't told me how your car is. There's something under the hood, but I, I don't know. To know how your car really is, you'd have to open up the hood and kind of figure out, okay, what's actually wrong with the car? Only then would you be able to say, this is how my car is doing. So when we look at those superficial ways of measuring growth, I'm not saying that your Bible reading and your prayer times are unimportant. What I'm saying is, is we can't look at those and say, yeah, that's my growth. That and that alone. They're a check engine light. Growth isn't primarily about what we do, but about, about who we are. Our hearts need to be changed. The Christian life is not going from dot to dot to dot to dot along a line. You know, quiet times, prayer times, church attendance, conferences, retreats. It's not that, but it's how do I have a heart for those dots? How do I actually, how do I yearn to be at this dot and this one and this one? Now today, I want to give you a warning. I'm not going to have a lot of specific application. Not a lot of tangible do this. Because today, I'm not talking about those dots. Those dots that we do. And again, now, by the way, I want to say those dots are often opportunities for us to actually rely upon the Lord. And there are instances where the Lord works in our lives. But they aren't the growth in and of themselves. But this morning, I'm not going to have a lot of to-dos. Probably not going to have any to-dos. What I want to do this morning is reorient your perspective, change your mind, give you a different way of thinking about growth. How are you measuring growth? How do you become somebody who desires the dots? All right, so let's dive in. First point today was a longer intro than normal. The first point is this. Walking by the Spirit promises a life that runs after God instead of sin. Walking by the Spirit promises a life that runs after God instead of sin. So let's see this in the text real quick. Starting in verse 16. <clears throat> Sorry, let me put up just a little bit. Yeah. Walking by the Spirit promises a life that runs after God instead of sin. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This idea of walking by the Spirit is what we looked at two weeks ago. This idea of relying upon Him. It's not gritting it out or gutting it out and just doing a bunch of Christian things. Instead, it's saying, Lord, I can't, but you can. So Paul is saying here, when you walk by the Spirit and stop trying and trusting in your own efforts... Not that you don't stop trying, but when you stop trying to trust in your own efforts, when you have that posture of humility and surrender, what does he do? He says there's a promise. God gives us a promise. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now what he's saying here, this word gratify has a, a bigger kind of picture, a bigger meaning. It, it gratify is kind of how we would say it in English, but, but the Greek word has the idea of completeness 
or finishing something or accomplishing the desires of something. It's actually very closely related to the word that we saw in the Sermon on the Mount that we translated perfect. This idea of be perfect or whole as your heavenly Father is whole or perfect. It's very closely related to that. So you aren't going to perfect or finish or complete the desires of the flesh. That's our old self, our old operating system, those wicked and evil desires, the need to come before the Lord with, here's all my my stuff, here's everything I've done, God. But here, Paul gives us this promise. If you rely on the Spirit, you will not be completing the works of the flesh. He's not saying that we're going to be sin-free, But what he's saying is, is your life is going to have a very particular trajectory. It's going to look very different. You won't be gratifying the desires of the flesh. You're going to be running after God instead of running after sin. And that's a promise. I need to hear that promise often. Because I stumble and fall. I'm like, oh, Lord, will I ever walk in the right way and here we have a promise that says yes if you will continue to rely upon me my work will be done in your life he gives us only two paths in verse 17 he puts this this dichotomy in front of us it's a binary you have the flesh and you have the spirit they're opposed to each other we all run after something we are running after either what we used to love Sin and death that we thought was going to bring us life. Or we are running after Christ. Those are the only two things. Sometimes you may sit down and be like, oh, I feel kind of stagnant and I don't feel like I'm really running after anything. Christian, indeed you are. But if you're feeling stagnant, you're probably running the wrong way. You're probably not running after Christ. If you aren't living, you're dying. And here we have these two. The spirit and the flesh, they're opposed to one another. The flesh keeps you from doing what you want to do, which is serve Christ. Now that we've been remade, we are new creations in Christ. We have new desires because we have that new operating system. But our flesh is still present with us. It tends to still try to bully us. But here, the solution again is relying on the Holy Spirit. And even in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You you may look at that and say, how in the world does that really connect to what he's saying in verses 16 and 17? Because he seems to be talking about desiring the desires of the flesh versus the desires of the Spirit. But in verse 18, he's like, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul, what the heck? You seem to go in a different direction here with this little sentence. Well, no. Because throughout the book of Galatians, Paul has been saying that if you are trying to follow the law in order to get right standing with God, ultimately that is following the flesh. It is trying to come before the, the Lord with, Lord, here is all of my stuff. But here we see, no, no, we're free from that. We are free from having to please the Lord through what we do. Because Christ is enough. Christ's death is enough. So we are free to rest in that. Instead, we can celebrate His mighty grace. Not that we go on sinning and doing more wickedness and be like, well, it's all covered. But instead, we're free from having to earn God's favor. 
I'm free to respond with joy out of thanksgiving instead of responding out of, ooh, I have to, because if I don't, something's coming. We're free to walk in joy. So again, walking by the Spirit promises a life that runs after God instead of sin. Walking by the Spirit promises a life that runs after God instead of sin. And I want to spend more time talking about this point here. Second one. Christian growth is measured by a fruit basket, not height on a ladder. Christian growth is measured by a fruit basket, not height on a ladder. We tend to look at the Christian life. And you see the people that you think are ahead of you in the Christian life. You look at all that they do. It's like, oh, they're so high up there on that ladder. They do all those spiritual things. I could never do that. But that's not really how the Bible describes growth, now is it? Because what we're going to see in this passage is it's a fruit basket. How is your life different? When we look at the works of the flesh, which we get in verses 19 to 21, I'm not going to read it again. You see that these are all springing from the heart, and they're all about things I want. I want to take a sober moment here this morning. I'm going to go through this list, and I want you to just kind of raise your hand if you struggle with it. The first one, sex, I'm just kidding, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you just see the look on some of your faces, and you're like, are we really going to do that this morning? No, no, no. But you do look at this list, and these are serious things, right? It's like, oh, Paul, you've kind of gone to the extreme here. Like, we don't want these things in our lives. And what's tempting is to look at this list and say, well, I haven't done all of that. I don't do sorcery. I'm not involved in orgies. I'm not getting drunk. It's like, okay, but are the seeds of these things here? Are the desires for the things that lead to these things still in your life? Even something like sorcery. Now, we tend to think of this as witchcraft. Some of your translations may actually translate it as witchcraft. Dealing with the occult, and it is certainly like this. But I think there's ways that Christians can actually be guilty of this. And that is, when you look at the spiritual realm, and you seek to manipulate it by what you do. Isn't that what sorcery and witchcraft really is? I say this spell then this magical thing over here happens from the spiritual realm that I don't understand. I do this, I get that. Don't we do that with God? Lord, I'm going to pray today, so I expect you to give me exactly what I need today. Or rather, what I want. Lord, I was kind to this person over here, so you you need to give me a better time with my family tonight. Don't let my kids act up. In a very roundabout way, that is sorcery. It's me trying to manipulate the divine. And so even this, we can be guilty of. When we see a list like this, the temptation is is to say, oh, that's not me, I don't want ever that to be me. I, I don't know. But what we need to do when we see a list like this is say, Lord, I know that there are things on here that I am guilty of. Help me to repent. Remember, I can't, but you can. May we have humble hearts. Also, I want to point out, 
in verse 21 at the end, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not saying someone who does this once. Someone who has done this in their past. That's not what this is saying. The verb there is an ongoing thing. You may even have a note in your Bible that says those who practice these things. This is part of an ongoing aspect of your life. It's not, oh, I have fallen. It is, I'm pursuing these things. I'm gratifying the desires of the flesh. I'm completing them. Not they've never been present. Or they are present, I should say. This ultimately is not a checklist, by the way. It's not, well, I'm just going to avoid doing these things and I'm okay. It's not a checklist. No. It's just a picture of what life controlled by the flesh looks like. It's where it leads. Well, then we get a second picture, a second list, 22 uh, to 24, really. But the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We look at that fruit and we say, yeah, I want that. I want to be that type of person. And notice that in all of these fruit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, they're really others-centered, are they not? Being patient is something that deals with other people. Being kind requires another person. Having peace generally is being at peace with others, also peace in my own heart. I mean, sure, there's some of these that can't exist on my own, alone, but ultimately, these are things that are lived out in community. So the works of the flesh are all about myself, and the fruit of the Spirit are really about the body. Our job also is to till the soil, put down manure. That's lots of fun. But who's doing the growth? The Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. I've shared this example before, and I'll share it again. There's a lot of cornfields around, are there not? If you go stand in a cornfield, you don't hear the corn groaning to try to grow. It just grows because that's what corn is. So as we rely on the Spirit, the Spirit, because it's who He is, bears this fruit in our lives. It's not me setting out and saying, okay, I am going to do love today. No. It's the Holy Spirit creating love within me, forming my heart, making me into a loving person. So we don't climb up a spiritual ladder but instead, we simply move from dot to dot, trusting the Holy Spirit as we kind of go from dot to dot. And when we see we don't desire those dots, we say, Lord, I'm not even desiring this. Will you form this desire within me? Help me to do this now, and will you create a desire within me while I do it? Think about the times when you've struggled to read your Bible. And if you say, Lord, help me, and then you do it, even if you don't feel like it, I guarantee you that you're not going to regret reading your Bible. I have never had a time in my life where I read the Bible as, as kind of disengaged or distant as I was, and I, and, I, and I regretted it. That's never happened to me. I've never been like, well, that was a waste of time. Even if I didn't understand it, even if I struggled, even if I fell asleep while I was reading it, which, yes, that does happen to me, the pastor. I will fall asleep while reading the Scripture sometimes. Just yesterday, was trying to read, really wanted to take a nap. But I didn't regret it. It's like, Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for doing this. And the other fruit that is born is in 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is, we don't listen to it. It's dead. Our old self is gone. So this fruit is in our life, and our old self is also done away with. We crucify it. It's gone. Now, this means also that we're free. If our flesh and desires are dead, crucified, they have no authority over us. I'll use this example. The way they train baby elephants, or just elephants in general, is is fascinating. Because you would think, like, how do you control a large elephant? Like, you know, you got elephant trainers, and they're riding on them, walking around. It's like, that elephant could really do anything it would want to do, and it would win. Like, it's not going to beat the trainer, right? But what they do to train elephants, and basically kind of keep them on a leash, is that when they're babies, they put kind of the rope around their ankles, and they'll, you know, drive a stake into the ground. And when the baby elephant fights against that rope or chain or whatever it is they're using, the baby elephant will, it'll, it'll hurt the skin, and so eventually it'll stop trying. So even as the elephant grows and it becomes this massive creature, all they have to do is keep that rope or chain around the ankle of the elephant, and it will never try to get away. Because it remembers the pain from when it was young, and it assumes that it can't get away. We as Christians often live as if the flesh still has authority over us. But in reality, because we have the Holy Spirit, we don't have to gratify the desires of the flesh. We can say no to it. We can walk with Christ freely. But we often live as if we have to listen to what the flesh says. We struggle day after day. Oh, woe is me. Brothers and sisters, we are free. We are free from having to listen to that voice. We don't have to give in. And we're free to rely on the Spirit. We're free to change. Paul wraps up this this passage in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So basically we have this freedom... We're bearing fruit through the Spirit, and then Paul kind of repeats himself with the command, saying, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's basically the same command we got back in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit. So, we keep in step with the Spirit. That's been the only command in this whole section thus far, right? Hey, walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the desires of the flesh. Those who live by these... They don't inherit the kingdom of God. These are the fruits of the Spirit over here. The only commands are rely on the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That's it. That's all Paul says. He doesn't say, hey, here's your checklist. Do it and you'll be good. Because the whole book of Galatians is railing against that kind of mentality. It's rely on the Lord for your salvation and your sanctification. Rely on Him because He's good. And as you do that, your life will look very different. Look at verse 26. Here we finally get something that looks like a little bit of a different command. Let us not become conceited. And then the provoking one another, envying one another, that's a description of what it looks like to become conceited. Those are dependent upon verse 20, or the beginning of verse 26. So those are really under the same command. 
So we get this one other command of not to become conceited, and that is a passive command. He doesn't say, don't be conceited. He says, don't become conceited. Don't put yourself in a position where your behavior and your actions eventually mold your heart and you become a conceited person. Instead, rely on the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. Love others freely. Don't be focusing on yourself. Don't become conceited. Live in a particular way that yields fruit. And that comes through yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lee Strobel, he's a famous apologist. You may know him from his books, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, and a lot of other works that he's done. Well, he came to faith, ultimately, or what set him on his journey to coming to faith, I should say, was because his wife became a Christian. Lee Strobel was an atheist. He was married to his wife, and his wife became a Christian, and her life changed. And that set him out to say, I guess I really actually need to examine these claims of Christianity. Who Jesus actually is. Did he really rise from the dead? That's what put him on his path, which now led him to become a well-known apologist for the faith. It wasn't the fact that his wife read the Bible a lot, or prayed a lot, or went to church all the time. That's kind of like, all right, well, that's weird and different. It was who she was. Her life changed. Not just her daily habits, but her affections and desires. Who she was was different. And because of that, Lee Strobel said, well, I had given no thought to this Christianity thing. I thought it could not possibly be true, but because her life is different, I need to look into this. May we be a church that looks different, that doesn't measure our spirituality by a list of things that we do. May we be a church that measures by a fruit basket. If I ask you, hey, how are you doing in your walk with the Lord? You can be like, well, man, I've really been struggling to love. I feel like I haven't had a lot of joy. Or, man, I've, God's been blessing me with patience. There's this person at work, and I prayed for patience, and then God used this person to form some patience in me. Like, yeah, that's a dangerous prayer, by the way, if you ever pray for patience. It's... You know, just be ready. Be ready for for something to come at you. But may we be that kind of church that talks in that kind of way. Let's not try to climb the ladder. Let's not try to climb the ladder. Let's run a race and bear fruit as we do. Church, I can't give you a list of things to do in order to make you grow. That's ultimately living according to the flesh. Bearing fruit comes down to depending upon the Lord and the Lord alone. The more you depend, the more you'll grow. But there's also a question that you can ask that will help, you help orient yourself toward more reliance. And it's the question you've got in your worship order. It's just this, how am I measuring growth? When you think about how you're doing, how are you, just ask, how am I measuring this? Am I measuring it by how many days in a row I've had a quiet time? Or am I measuring it by how much love is coming out of me? How are my interactions with my family, my coworkers, my friends? What's actually happening? Let's that be how we measure growth. And may this be the question that we constantly ask ourselves. And may we, may we be a church that measures by a fruit basket. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are kind and you have sent your spirit into our hearts. 
to shape us, to form us. We thank you that you bear your fruit in our lives. May we be a church that yearns to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in abundance. May we not want to try to climb up the Christian ladder as fast as we can, but instead may we run the Christian life or race with joy and trusting you to bear fruit in our lives. Lord, make us into new and different people. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.